Well, here we are, the first Thursday of the month, which means it's time to talk to the mayor. Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder is in studio with us, and we have a lot of ground to cover. So, Mayor, as always, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Well, we did talk to uh, Doug Brown of City Water, Light, and Power uh, earlier this afternoon and got uh, his perspective on things. But let me get your perspective on what's happened here with Dolman 33 and the decision to uh, suspend it and to speed up the retirement. I mean, we knew it was coming in a couple of years anyway, but it doesn't look now like uh, Dolman 33 is uh, is ever going to be restarted what in your view does this mean for the uh the, the long-range future of the utility ability to meet our electric needs and just essentially positioning cwlp for the future well uh with having our own utility the benefit of it is being able to produce and deliver the electricity so as we move forward to the future that's what we look at we just recently had legislation passed uh, through the state general assembly and it did impact uh, coal-fired power plants but even with those changes i think dolman as you pointed out dolman 33 was it was going to sunset eventually but we did have uh, damage done uh, with regards to the unit to it was thought to be a lightning strike, but it wasn't confirmed by GE. But with the repairs, that's what you have to balance is, does that make sense to repair it? And uh, and what they were recommending was only, it wasn't 100% operational. It was more, I think, more like 50%. So from that standpoint, it didn't make sense to move forward. But what we are doing is looking at supplanting that energy source of uh, about 100 megawatts uh, with solar farm. And that's really... The future is how do you balance uh, the delivery of uh, uh, energy, and for us, it's going to be coal with Dolman 4, of course, and then solar, and uh, moving forward in that direction. But we did build out the grid so we could import our native load, or P+, uh, just uh, to make sure that we are a reliable source for energy for our residents. We talked about the solar farm in the past. Uh, uh, what What's the, the rough timeline, or do we know in, enough yet about how that could play out and when we might actually see that constructed and able to generate uh, the, the kind of load you're talking about? Well, we did put it out for an RFP, so we're negotiating right now and if we can get to an agreeable uh, price uh, we will move forward in that direction but it um, it the timeline was probably 2023 or 2024 uh, moving in that direction and just so everybody understands Dalman 4 can generate enough power for uh, the city uh, but it's the peak time you know during the day when you have these peak um, demands of electricity that's when we would import uh, additional um, energy to provide for that this also impacts workers there, and we have talked to the utility about this, but uh, uh, is the city able to absorb all of them, the majority of them? There's about 30 workers that could be impacted here. How likely is it that they will be able to find another position somewhere either inside the utility or elsewhere in city government? Well, uh, I believe uh, we ran the numbers, or we're, we're trying to determine uh, where people could be placed with Dolman 4, uh, still being operational with retirements and filling other positions. And then, again, in other areas like public works, if uh, people would be offered positions. I think we're down to about uh, nine individuals that we still were unsure about. And so we'll continue to work through that because uh, nobody knows what tomorrow brings. Uh, but I think through transition, retirements, things of that nature, I think everybody will at least have an opportunity to relocate within the city if they so choose. Will it be the same type level of position? Not necessarily. It might be a repositioning. Uh, but that's, you know, at least there's there more than likely, I would say, uh, uh, the majority, if not all of them, would have a spot to land. 
there's some dramatic changes uh, happening right now at the utility, and that leads to some uh, big projects that'll have to be dealt with eventually. Uh, finally, tearing down and getting rid of Dolman 31 and 32, and and now of course 33 on the list as well. You've got the big coal ash pond out there. Uh, are, have you already started looking at how you're going to address those issues, or are those far enough down the road you can say, hey, I won't be mayor forever. Somebody else can handle it. <laughs> Well, they might be, uh, you never know, might be historic sites eventually. I'm not sure. But, well, but uh, you know, but you missed yep, that. I want to ask yep, about that because yep. at least one of the, the buildings, and mm -hmm. I, I don't know if, it, if that's the building's called Lakeside, right. that building looks the way it did in the 1930s. I mean, right. that really is kind of a historic mm -hmm. structure. Yeah, I think Lakeside was, I thought that was removed. Okay. But, so, uh, yep. But, you know, you see those stacks, and I've been through cities where they left them up, or but it is millions of dollars to uh, take them down. So that's what we'd have to weigh if there's, of course, if there's an environment environmental risk, you take it down. But if not, uh, does it hurt anything uh, being up there? That's what we'll have to uh, weigh. Or can it be, you know, torn down and reused in some fashion? I think that's what we'll have to do additional studying on. But with Dolman 33 going off, of course, the, uh, the ash, you know, will probably cap that and uh, move forward in that direction. So that should be addressed um, as we move forward. But eventually, those units have to be dismantled. But I, I don't know, and they couldn't really say when exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, have you been told when that would need to happen? Is that something that's in the next five years, the next 20 years? Yeah, see, I guess uh, I'd need, you know, this is where the attorneys come in. You know, dismantling, I thought dismantling is just not operational. You know, you just uh, dismantle from operation. But if it's total dismantling to the ground, uh, that's something we'd have to clarify to a greater degree. Sure. Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder is here with us. Mayor, let's uh, move on to some of the other issues that are happening right now. Uh, 3 a.m. bars very much back in the, uh, the public discussion. Starting with Dirty South, there was supposed to be a hearing earlier this mm -hmm. week. It's been put off for a couple of weeks and there was discussion about possibly reaching some kind of a settlement there uh, and I don't want to put you in a position of prejudging but you are the city liquor commissioner and you've had some pretty strong views on these late night bars what would it take for you to be comfortable allowing that facility to reopen well they'd uh, I think the situation happened outside the bar more than inside the bar but uh what we look at, uh, similar to when we did the wet bar, is, uh, you know, are you screening people when they come in, uh, verifying that, you know, they're not carrying any weapons or anything of that nature, and then uh, having security uh, on, you know, on premise. Uh, the other thing is cameras, things of that nature. But uh, we'd rely on um, working with the owners as well as the police department to create a safer, definitely a safer, uh, but as safe as possible atmosphere, uh, because nobody wants that. That situation happening even the owners and so the, I believe what was happening is people were coming and just partying on the outside so that's prohibited how can we prevent that from happening so we'll look at all the different mitigations that can be put in place and make those requirements as much as possible you have uh, said in the past that you have uh, pretty much on your own imposed a moratorium mm -hmm. on issuing new 3 a.m. licenses but it sounds like you'd be open to reinstating this 3 a.m. license if they're willing to take the steps to do so why, why is that I mean if, if you don't want any new 3am licenses why not just say well you guys had your chance and you you, you didn't get it done well uh you know i think uh I think there's, you know, it's not a one strike, uh, you're out type thing, or I think that's debatable for anybody. But really, you know, I was young once. I understand the, uh, you know, people want to go out after 1 a.m. or they just want to go out. Uh, and you will have that happening anyway, because when my father was mayor, they had social clubs, they had things happening late 
um, you know, late at night. So uh, what you want is a um, really a social environment that is as safe as possible. So having that alternative or that option uh, doesn't bother me. I think we have enough 3 a.m. license. That's why I said, you know, we're not issuing any more. I think there, we have 12, five of them, I believe, are hotel associated licenses and then seven other ones. But uh, that's why I think, you know, uh, now uh, Wet Bar, I think we put them on a final last chance type of agreement. That would be uh, something similar with Dirty South uh, because you can't just uh, accept that type of behavior as we move forward. So we'd expect some type of responsibility on the business owner as they move forward uh, to make sure they have that safe environment. It then ties back into some of the discussions we've had about video gaming facilities mm -hmm. and restrictions being put on that. And you mm -hmm. had the uh, ordinance this week that says if a package liquor store becomes a, a bar in order to get a gaming license, uh, then they can't sell package liquor anymore. Initially, you also wanted to put a one-year waiting period on those establishments. If you switch over to a bar, you have to wait a year before you get a gaming license. But that wasn't in the final ordinance. Why did you change that? Yeah, actually, it's uh, what you can get passed through the council for one but actually that came from corporation council you know that initial um, uh, drafting and uh, originally how it was written is you do a one-year um, kind of a one-year waiting period if they want to get that license and I said well that's not going to close the loophole I said closing it you know we need to change it where they um, you know can't get video gaming so that's where we came up with the changing of the license so you give up your package sales and uh, so that part just it dropped off as far as that uh, rewrite of the ordinance. One of the issues that it raises, though, when you have other in other establishments wanting mm -hmm. to get these licenses and things uh, is that, you know, you've got a lot of video gaming terminals, video gaming businesses here in town already. And I know some of the aldermen feel like we've got just too much of it. But is it is it fair to say we're not going to let any others come in because you're kind of protecting the people who've already got their license. It's sort of protecting their turf. Kind of like the three a.m.s. Well, but uh, mm -hmm. well, in, mm -hmm. really, in, in, right. that's true. I, right. I mean, shouldn't competition, shouldn't the marketplace decide rather than the city arbitrarily saying only this many and no more? Well, I think we're saturated. Uh, the numbers will tell you that. Uh, the most recent report that came out, the city of Springfield, I think we had uh, like 300 more video gaming machines in Decatur, and now Decatur surpassed us in the uh, revenue uh, part of it. So we are saturated. Uh, the point that always frustrated frustrated myself and I think other council members is we had additional people or entities uh, requesting licenses like nail salons or barbershops or what have you. They wanted that server's license uh, to get the gaming. And it seems like we lost focus uh, when it was first introduced. The spirit of the law was to help out restaurants and bars, uh, especially with the downturn of the economy. Uh, but what you have now is people would start their business to be, have a restaurant or a bar or whatever the case may be. Now they want to have a business to get in the video gaming. And so it's kind of upside down, and we just want to correct that. But why is a restaurant and a bar more deserving of help than a nail salon? If, if the, and I guess my, my ultimate question is, uh, if I'm an entrepreneur, I've got mm -hmm. a great idea for a business. I, I'm going to give better service. I'm going to have better food or just a more inviting atmosphere. And I want to have gaming in there, too, because that will draw people in as well. Why shouldn't I have the chance to compete and offer a better product? And, and if I take business away from somebody else, well, too bad for them. Why shouldn't I have that chance? Well, the video gaming's ancillary to all that. You know, you can take, a, you can slice out video gaming uh, regardless of where it's at. You can take that away. Really, but I'm what at you a competitive at, disadvantage if I can't offer the gaming in another place. Can 
Well, not if you're a restaurant or bar. I mean, that's essentially what it started out to be. It's supposed to be for the bars and the restaurants to help them through the uh, downturn of the economy. But now it's uh, it's branched out or it's tempted to branch out in other areas. And I'll use the liquor stores for an example. Liquor stores were allowed to be open during the pandemic where the bars and restaurants weren't. Uh, they took a beat down uh, with the pandemic probably as much, if not worse, than a lot of other businesses. So we want to protect the brick and mortars associated with those establishments. And this was one aspect. That's why they offered the video gaming to restaurants and bars with the downturn of the economy is to uh, give them that extra revenue that they otherwise wouldn't be able to survive on. Welcome back to the Jim Leach Show. It is our monthly check-in with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder as we talk to the mayor. And, Mayor, there's just, just so so much we want to uh, to ask you about. Let me ask you about uh, something we've uh, talked about a lot in recent months, and that's the state of downtown parking. Now, uh, the, I think the last time we talked about it, it was still kind of month-to-month, but uh, then uh, your office indicated that uh, we're going to keep the free parking in place at the meters downtown at least through the end of the year. Correct. Is that the plan now? Mm-hmm. Uh, and are you uh, still thinking we'll reinstate paid meters sometime in 2022 then or yeah we actually had a uh, we did put on rfp pre-pandemic and looked at replacing meters or doing an app and right now we're looking at uh, an apt you know where you would just uh, allow credit card uh, and utilize technology to uh, pay for parking but you know really what's so would that mean it, no physical meters down there because i know in some in some places you do that you basically are just signs up that say just go to this site put in this code uh put in your debit card number and you paid for hard parking well actually uh you'd use the uh, you still use the meter for the scanning qr code or what have okay. you too you can do it that way and i think that's the uh, direction we're leaning towards but time will tell with regards to that uh so uh, really what it comes down to is the activity downtown, not having state workers there. It's kind of uh, taken the stress away from um, you know, the need to move parking as much as available space. So we encourage everybody to come downtown. Uh, but it's important that we keep it free, especially we've done this year, years previously with regards to the holiday walks, things of that nature, the ch- shopping experience during Christmas time. We're really looking forward to a festival of trees uh, with Memorial Health. We really appreciate them moving it uh, to downtown because that uh, will really add to the excitement and the experience of the holidays downtown. And, and through all of that, there will not be paid metered parking all through the holidays, and I guess we'll see what the new year brings when we get closer to the new year. Right, right. Uh, so, you you put out the RFP on the meters. Have you gotten those proposals back yet, or do you have to? Yeah, we've already had it vetted prior okay. to the uh, pandemic. So, um, yeah, so we'll be working on that, see if we can come to a solution uh, that we're confident with and bring it before the council. But, yeah, we've already they already had that whole uh, bid process out there prior to. And so we'll move forward in that direction when the time's right. And you uh, got the green light this week from the council to spend more than 300000 on engineering studies for traffic signals downtown and also the uh, one-way to two-way conversion on a, on a couple of streets. Uh, is the timeline still you're hoping for uh, sometime middle of next year to get all that done? Correct. Yeah. Ideally, you'd want it done before spring and summer. But uh, unfortunately, uh, what it will be, I think they're going to start the actual process in the springtime. And hopefully before the end of summer, it'll all be complete. But uh, really, it's in the engineer's hands right now, uh, working with IDOT and uh, making that conversion possible on Adams Street. We're back here on the Jim Leach Show. It's our monthly Talk to the Mayor segment with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder. It's always kind of a mix of... 
recent items just popping up and revisiting and getting updated on some of the uh, past issues we've talked about. Uh, Mayor will start in that latter category. Uh, bring us up to speed on where we stand because we thought this was going to be moving over the summer and then the ACLU stepped in with some concerns about the uh, ordinances to deal with solicitation out on uh, on the street or at busy intersections and things. Uh, and I know this has been under review for a while. Is there any update on whether we're going to see that ordinance advancing in some form or another? Yeah, I'll have to uh, check back with Corporation Council. The uh, two that were withheld, one was so many feet within a cannabis. Uh, and I think uh, the premise of that is that the state legislature passed some type of uh, restriction on that, but um, that's what they're looking into. And then uh, the other one, uh, I think it, uh, I can't remember what exactly that was, but the one that has not been presented that I think will be the one coming forward would be so many feet within an intersection mm -hmm. because, um, you know, we had the sad tragedy of the one gentleman that um, got hit on MacArthur and Cherry Road. Um, and, and was that a situation where he was actually out trying to, to solicit for money? And Well, uh, not necessarily that. Some people thought he may have at some point in time, but not at that time. And uh, it's an individual that just would jump out in traffic at different times, mm. and that's just a tragic situation. But what that would allow is it's for safety, and it's so many feet with uh, from an intersection. Uh, that way you keep it clear from uh, obstructing uh you know, the uh, driver's view and things of that nature. And so you don't distract them. And they're really, uh, you know, it's a safer atmosphere with regards to that. But you drive around and you see people in the medians, you know, soliciting, and it's just a, a dangerous situation. So that's one that I think we would be moving forward. The other two were really. Why, why hasn't <clears throat> it moved forward yet? Is that still something well, you want to make sure there's not a First Amendment question there? No, or? I think it's getting the other two out of the way. Okay. And those were uh, the one that definitely by the cannabis was Alderman Proctor. He wanted to move that forward uh, with regards to that. So, uh, again, if the state legislature did not put in any uh, restrictions to that, I see that one probably going by the wayside. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll make a determination of that if there's any restrictions on the federal or state uh, guidelines with regards to dispensaries. Federal wouldn't have it because it's not legal nationally, but on the state side, that's what we're trying to view. And uh, the the other one about the solicitation near busy intersections and things, that's something where potentially a ticket could be issued to the person uh, seeking money, but also anybody who gives them money, like from a right. vehicle out there as well. But you, you do think that's going to move forward at some point? Uh, time will tell on that one as well. I think uh, that's the one that's held in committee right now and so corporation council is reviewing that the one i think will come forward is a third one that's what i want to present originally and that's where it would just restrict anybody getting in we're looking at maybe a 30 foot radius of the intersection or maybe it's 10 feet uh whatever the case may be but the main driver in that is safety uh, for the pedestrian as well as you know the individual drivers uh, along the same lines uh, of people who are in need, uh, we've had ongoing concerns about the tent city and recently an overdose death there. Uh, we are getting to the time of year where we will uh, start to see people moving more into the, the winter warming shelter. The Salvation Army is going to be operating that. Uh, but at last word, they were still on the process of trying to hire staff for it. So is there anything uh, to update as far as when the shelter will be up and running and what's going to happen with tent city? And, and will that be essentially taken down at some point? Uh, yes, that will be taken down, uh, you know, if you have that alternative uh, place they can move to. And so uh, that's right there at the facility. So people are comfortable with that area. They just, you know, they've even told us we just want to go inside if we can. So we're going to make that accommodation. And typically uh, the overflow opens up at the end of October. 
actually, previous years is even later than that. But uh, last year, I know for sure that we've had weather elements that uh, we opened up that last week of October just because snow was hitting and right. things of that nature. But as soon it's as not an the, issue right now, though, right? right knock on wood. Uh, but uh, as soon as Salvation Army is comfortable hiring the individuals, I think uh, Helping Hands is going to help train them, which we appreciate, as well as Continuum of Care and everybody working together to get it open. We'll do so as soon as possible. Uh, I'm going to bouncing all over the place here, but I guess this also ties into approaching colder weather and things you have said multiple times over the last few months uh, that you thought you might uh, seek to bring back a mask mandate as we got more into flu season um, and obviously we're under a statewide mask mandate right now but we don't know how long that's going to continue do you still think you might seek to impose a local mask rule if there isn't a, a statewide order in place just to not only prevent uh, uh, a, a new surge of COVID as we all move back indoors but also to protect against other seasonal illnesses Will be geared more towards the uh, virus and any escalation of that, especially if it starts a rise in hospitalizations. That would really drive that decision. Um, and I, you know, if that's the case, then you're going to have the statewide mandate in place uh, and won't be lifted. But that will be the driving factor: is the infections, but. Uh, uh, as importantly or more importantly, the hospitalizations and making sure that we can, um, you know, make sure we uh, keep the businesses open and move in that direction. That's the whole purpose of having these mitigations in place. Make sure that the restaurants, bars and things of that nature don't close down again. We keep them open as much as possible. But if the if the numbers continue to improve and we've seen some of that in recent weeks, you wouldn't expect to have to put any additional local rules into place. Correct. Uh, you mentioned at the city council meeting this week that the city budget process is about to begin, at least internally. Uh, and I know you're just getting started on that. But uh, what's your sense as to uh, what it's going to be looking like for next year? Will we have more money at our disposal, less money? Are you going to be able to hold the line on headcount and services and things? What should people be starting to brace for? Well, actually, on the headcount, we're looking to add on the public works side of things for services. Um, and, you know, with the uh, American Rescue Plan dollars, uh, you know, we had ward plan meetings, and it's pretty evident that we need to address some flooding issues. And, uh, you know, there's still roads to be, be repaired and things of that nature. And public works have been gutted through the uh, cutback of budgets. And so uh, we look for them to add services. Actually, what we are looking at is um, for our limb drop-off and uh, leaf drop-off. It's out at the airport right now. Um, uh, eventually, that's not going to go on forever. So we are assessing, uh, does it make sense to bring that type of service in-house and move in that direction? Uh, so we're running the numbers on those type of activities. And again, you know, with the fire uh, stations we're looking at uh, constructing those so those are some of the um I guess the capital improvements that we're looking at on the CWLP side, it's with the trans, uh, Transmission Distribution Center. Uh, we need That's close to the rail. We're moving that, and uh, that will be a project on the, um, you know, um, probably put into the budget this upcoming year, moving that direction. With regards to the budget in itself, uh, I haven't uh, seen the low, uh, recent numbers, but uh, we haven't had a large drop-off with regards to sales tax revenue, things of that nature. Uh, but we are in pretty uh, strong financial shape just because we tightened our belt, but now's the time to make sure that we come out of the pandemic strong with our services that we need to provide our residents. You mentioned uh, American Rescue Plan funds, and that does allow you to address some needs and infrastructure needs mm -hmm. and things, but that's that's one-time funding, so can, can you really hire staff uh, for money that is, is going to be pretty finite in its availability?
responsibility. Yeah, no, the American Rescue Plan is geared towards uh, the uh, going above and beyond. And you're right, it's just one-time money. So you really want to make an impact, uh, transformational impact on your community. So that's what we're looking at is how best to do that uh, and, and really mitigate some of the issues that have been going on for a long period of time that typically wouldn't be addressed. Uh, so one of the, just uh, to give you an example, Revenue replacement uh, is a allowable expense with regards to the American Rescue Plan. If we do that, then we need to look at roads that typically wouldn't be modernized and modernize those roads. And they're all over the place. We have, uh, I think it's like 60 million or 60 miles of road that oil and chip. So similar to what we did with the lake, we ground them up and then we asphalted them and changed the uh, instead of oil and chips. So we look at things of that nature. Again, for the sewers, looking at major sewer projects, uh, sewers around the lake and moving that direction. So those are a couple of the items that would impact all the city. But as far as capital improvements, it can be used for water, sewer, and broadband. And so the other piece we're trying to do is maximize or leverage our fiber uh, to see, make sure that everybody has broadband, especially in our inner city and east side. You mentioned the uh, the fire stations, mm-hmm. and uh, we I know we're going through the design process on that, and we expect to have an update uh, probably at the next meeting on possible locations for them. That's uh, that's still in the works right now. But there was also a lot of discussion about staffing because we're going to be facing the prospect of a lot of retirements of uh, veteran firefighters in the next several years. It was only a few months ago that the aldermen were cutting a whole bunch of money from the fire department budget uh, and talking about uh, you know lowering head count through attrition now we're talking about having to hire a bunch of firefighters so what what do you see the fire department's head count being a year from now two years from now com- compared to now are we just gonna hold the line and replace veteran high paid firefighters with young lower paid firefighters are we gonna have an increase in staff what do you well, we're, we're in uh, contract negotiations now and we have minimum manning uh that's being discussed what's the uh you know what's the levels we need to uh, you know, uh, provide those services. Uh, so that's one area we're taking a look at, and I'm not going to get into the numbers associated with that, but what they questioning was about was the overtime. Uh, since we are down firefighters, uh, the individuals on jo- on work have to be called back where they did have more flexibility. Now it's getting to the point where, you know, you might have to cancel your vacation and work because we have that mandatory uh, minimum manning. And so that's what the, uh, I think the angst is associated with that. Uh, but with regards to the stations, you know, we have uh, stations that have manning for two trucks or two engines or what have you. So we would just simply, uh, one is relocate the entire station or like Cokie Mill has uh two trucks, I believe, one engine, one truck, you just take part of that staff and staff one out of the southwest corridor uh, near Panther Creek if you built a new station altogether. So uh, the majority of the replacement will be replacement uh, stations. We're looking at Chatham Road moving more to the um, northwest, and then the, the one, of course, by Ash, moving that more to the, uh, well, in close proximity where it is. And then the other one, southwest and the northeast are the areas that we want to cover. I know you said you didn't want to get to specifics, but if we're negotiating over minimum manning levels, does that mean it could result in having fewer firefighters on duty at any given time than we have right now? I mean, that doesn't I, I don't know about everybody in town, but for me, it's like I, I don't I never felt like we had too much fire protection in Springfield. Sure. No, you'd keep the fire 
protection in place. Um, but uh, what we're doing, we have a consultant came in, took a look. They're taking a look at the organizational structure. And so with regards to management, that's talked a lot. Do we have too much management? That's what the discussion's been compared to the front line. And so. Uh, but does yeah. management count in those minimum staffing levels? Uh, some do. Okay. Yep, yep. All right. Some so. do. Yep. You have battalion chiefs. You have captains. Uh, the captains. Yeah, that's what we'll. That's what the report will show. And we should receive that hopefully within a week or so. So it, it might be fewer people per shift, but we'd have fewer white shirts rather than the, the frontline guys. Well, not necessarily per sh- Well, it's possible. That's uh, through all the negotiations as far as the operational. Uh, what you want to do is, and I've, I've contended this, the 1970s fire department does not look like the post-pandemic fire department. What should that structure be? You have more EMS calls over fire calls, but we want to assure everybody that uh, the four-minute response time for fire will be put in place, where previously out at South uh, Panther Creek, Piper Glen wasn't happening because you couldn't afford to build a station. Welcome back to the Jim Lee Show. Once a month, we get an extended conversation with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfeld to talk about a lot of the issues that are looming here over the city of Springfield. And, uh, Mayor, one of the big stories today is that the State Journal Register building has been sold to Sangamon County. The county bought this, and they're going to be making use of it. Did, did they get that out from under you? Were you were you hoping to get your hands on that, too? <laughs> well, they outbid us by a million dollars. No, no, wait a minute. They, they, they paid one and a quarter million. Did you actually, did the city put a bid on it? Uh, we were going to go. 250 how about that 250 no, actually actually we did look at it because um you know, the police chief uh, wanted it, and I, I was teasing him because you look at the uh, window, the rooftop window, and it looks like a shield of the police department. So I said, you could put a shield there and shine a light through, like shine it into the sky like oh, Batman. so cool. But the other thing was uh, CWLP looked at it uh, because, you know, we have to do, have a new transmission distribution center. But with uh, trucks and that, the area really didn't uh, lend itself to that type of equipment. And so it really um, didn't lend itself to the city of Spring feel but uh yeah we look forward to i'm i'm glad someone bought it and i'm glad the county moved in that direction Coming uh, because property it is tax great space roles, though i mean yeah, it's off the property tax roll but uh you know it is a, you what you don't want is a building sitting there vacant you just don't want that and really uh you know when you're looking at downtown especially it's good to have that vibrancy of development happening and it complements what's happening on the uh transportation hub you know that's happening right now the, the beginning stages of that so a lot of great activity happening throughout Springfield. One of the weirdest stories of the past month, maybe the entire year, was a notice that came out from Springfield Police that said there is a text scam going around. <laughs> People are getting texts that say this is Mayor Jim Langfelder. I think it said James O. Langfelder. I, I have COVID-19 <laughs> and I need help paying my bill. Now, I didn't see the text myself. don't call me because I'm not, I don't feel like talking. <laughs> I, I, I didn't see the text myself, but was it actually supposedly help paying your own bills or was it help paying the city's bills? Uh, that was unclear, but okay. I think it was mine, I guess. Did uh, any of your friends get this text? Uh, no, they didn't send me anything if they did. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, yeah, I was asking for an odd amount, like $5,349.16, <laughs> something like that. But it was, uh, yeah, I'm glad. Uh, hopefully nobody fell for that. That's pretty creative, you have to admit. Uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. you know, usually you don't get get a lot of effort put into it. They but... should have said $50.33 or something. You know? Well, you know, and people you might probably have a think you've got to, you know, a pretty high, uh, high living lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you bought that that big stone seal from the, uh, uh, the from the Bel Air a few years back. Right, so they probably right. figure you've uh, it takes a little bit of money to uh, to upkeep that standard of living there. That's right. Uh, but d- uh, are we aware? Did anybody actually fall for it? Did anybody? 
Actually, it was uh, myself and then uh, come to find out someone within the police department, same type thing was happening. And I thought someone might have uh, confiscated my uh, contact list, but uh, someone was contacted that wasn't in my phone book. So I, I was glad that didn't happen. All right. So, uh, again, very strange again, story. If but you ever get solicited like that, uh, please if, uh, call. If the mayor wants your help yeah, paying his bills, directly. he will call you directly. He will not text you. <laughs> you can. Yeah, I can vouch for that. You can trust me on that. Uh, real quickly, uh, Hunter Lake, anything? Well, we uh, are. Uh, they have a new uh, uh, attorney general. I'm not attorney general, but the uh, adjunct general for the Army Corps. And so we do have a meeting scheduled to meet with that individual, and we're going to have an update with regards to scheduling. But again, with the timeline of the recreational study moving forward, uh, we should be within that 16-month range of uh, getting an answer on a permit or the uh, backup water source that we need for. Only have uh, 20 seconds left. Mm -hmm. Grandview annexation was talked about a while back, and then it kind of fizzled. Is is that ever going to be revived, or is that idea dead? Well, it's up to the uh, residents of Grandview. It'd have to be a vote.